your church is probably organized to bear the fruit you are seeing. Sometimes realignment in your church will be significant. And other times it is intentional tweaks. But the thing you have to understand, if you are going to overcome plateau and decline, if you are going to to help your church revitalize, you have to understand that it is all about leading change. Hey, it's Rich, and welcome to another episode of Leading Your Church. Today, we're going to continue the conversation on how we look at the three areas that uh, we have to affect for revitalization. The three areas are we have to renew the leader, so we have to renew our heart spiritually, and we have to grow our leadership skills. The second area is that we have to reimagine our communities. And the third area is that we need to realign the church. Last time, we spent a lot of time talking about the things that have to take place so that we can renew the leader. And and I really do believe that God wants to raise up leaders. God wants to breathe fresh wind into uh, men and women who are leading their churches to overcome plateau and decline. Today, we're going to talk about Uh, reimagining your community, and we're going to talk about realigning your church. And so one of the things that happens in revitalization is that we have to understand the community in which God has placed us, our local community. When we think about local communities, they're not the same across a region. They're not the same across a city or a town or across a state. Every community is unique and different, just like most churches are unique and different. And so trying to lead your church to overcome plateau and decline or trying to lead your church to change without considering the spiritual and the social needs within your community Um, And what's going on on the landscape of your community is incredibly short-sighted. When you think about the book of Acts, the early church left a spiritual mark on the communities in which they existed. I think that's one of the reasons we see that time and time and time in, in the book of Acts, it says that they came together and had everything in common and the church grew. They met together for prayer and for uh, Bible reading. Um, they had everything in common and the church grew. They had an effect on their communities. I think that's part of the reason why when Paul went and wrote many of his letters back to the churches that he had helped start and help the the new the early church, when he would write back to them, he was having to address so many things that related to culture and to social things that affected their spiritual hearts. He had to go and, and correct so many things because the church was having an effect on those things. And anytime the church begins to move to affect the the spiritual nature of the things that are going on within a community or the the things that are affecting the social culture, anytime that happens, it's not just the positive effect of the gospel, but it is the negative effect of the culture that is pulling on that. 
And as individual believers and as individual churches, sometimes we get caught in that spiritual war with one another and it has a positive effect on our churches. And at times it has a negative effect on us as believers. And so the early church left a spiritual mark on the communities in which they existed. And I believe God wants our churches to have and leave a spiritual mark on the communities in which he has placed us. And so when we think about revitalization, we have to understand that when we lead our church to change, that we need to understand our community in a way that the the church has an effect on the community and the local culture. I like the way Jimmy Scroggins in South Florida um, has uh, led their church with clarity to help their congregation um, think and do what God has called them to do regarding church planting. And this is the phrase that they use. I was at a conference uh, down there a few years ago, and he shared some of the things that God had put on their heart to do. And I really caught this phrase and it has stuck in my heart. And so what they want to do is they are going to plant neighborhood churches with a neighborhood pastor speaking the neighborhood language. You see, their heart is across South Florida, which is an unbelievably diverse group of people in that region of our country. You have all kinds of um, um, ethnicities. You have all kinds of demographics. Um, These neighborhoods can even um, be right beside one another, yet be so drastically different. They, They look at the landscape of what's going on in South Florida, and what they've said is that they're going to plant neighborhood churches with a neighborhood pastor that is speaking the neighborhood language. They want to have a spiritual effect on the communities across all of South Florida. And the reason this phrase is on my mind is because while in South Florida we need to plant churches, and across America we need to plant churches with this idea, I truly believe that when we look at all of the plateaued and declining churches across America, which which is many of our churches, we need to have that same conviction that every neighborhood needs a church with a neighborhood pastor that is speaking the neighborhood language so that we can have a gospel impact on the people and the culture and what's going on locally in that neighborhood. And so what if pastors and churches began to embrace their own neighborhoods in a way that led their church to become a church for their neighborhood. Let me say that again. What if pastors and churches began to embrace their own neighborhoods in a way that they led their church to become a church for their neighborhood? You see, we have to have a mindset shift. We have to change our thinking. Have you looked at a recent demographic report for the immediate area around your church? Maybe three miles, five miles, ten miles? Do you know how many kids attend your elementary schools, your middle schools, and your high schools? Are they directly in your community? Or are they in regional schools? Are you in an urban, suburban, or rural area? What is the amount of free and reduced lunch percentage in your school? 
Are your neighborhoods growing in a certain direction? What are the social challenges in your community? All of these things we need to know and we need to understand as we begin to think about where we're going to lead our church in the future. And we have to do this before we start realigning the church, before we start shifting things around. We need to understand our community. Because if not, we will end up realigning our church and it will have no spiritual effect on the community in which we God has placed us. So we have to understand and we have to know our community. That will help us begin praying and allow the Holy Spirit to put speak into our hearts so that we can reimagine what God's work might be within our communities. Another thing we have to understand and we have to know about our communities, we, have, we need to know our local leaders. Do you know your local police chief? Do you know your mayor? Do you know your school leaders, your principals, your superintendent? Have you met them face to face? Do you know other community leaders? You see, we need to know these people who are local leaders within our community because it allows us and it opens up conversations for us to have a better understanding of what's going on within our community. When I was serving right outside of St. Louis in Illinois, our church went through a tragedy and a crisis. And one of the things that happened was I, I had a relationship with the local police chief. I knew him by name. And when we were in the middle of that tragedy that morning, I was able to go to him because I knew him by name to look him in the eyes and say, I need you to tell me what's going on. Because I had a relationship, it opened up the door for a different conversation. You see, whether it's through a crisis or a tragedy or as you're doing strategic planning, if you can sit across a table, if you can sit across a desk, if you can have a, a breakfast or a lunch and you know these community leaders, you can have a better understanding of what's going on so you can lead your church appropriately. One of the other ways we need to understand our churches or understand our communities is do you know the other church leaders in your community? I'll tell you one of the things that's um, and, and so on my heart is that we need to know and pray for the other church leaders in our community. Our competition is not the churches in our town. Let me say it again. Our competition is not the churches in our town. I tell our, our people in our church, when you drive through town in the summer and you see a banner for somebody's vacation Bible school, that's your cue to pray for that church. If you drive by another church, that's your cue to pray for that church. You need to know church leaders by name. I was serving in one church in Missouri and our kids were coming home from camp and one of our vans broke down. And we didn't have another vehicle to go get them. And here they are on the side of this um, this road in about an hour away. And we, we our, our, our resources were limited. We ended up calling the student pastor at a church in a, of another denomination in town on a Friday. And he left his day off, went and got their church van, and went and picked our kids up. 
Why does that happen? Because we had relationship where we had shared ministry. You see, we have to value and support the work that God is doing through other churches in our community. They are not our competition. But you need to know these pastors, these church leaders by name, and you need to value the work that God is doing. So the better questions you ask about your community, the greater clarity you can have when you get to the final area of revitalization, realigning your church. You see, the better questions, the, the, the things that you ask about your community will give you greater clarity about what, where God is leading your church to go. So that brings us to the last area of revitalization, and that is realigning your church. Most of this podcast and most of our resources will be related to realigning your church. Every Thursday, we talk specifically about renewing the leader because that's something that is an ongoing daily practice and habit that has to happen. But the Tuesday episodes, many of those are going to be about how do we realign our church? What are the nuts and bolts? What are the rhythms? How do we overcome these growth barriers? And so when we think about realigning our church, your church is probably organized to bear the fruit that you are currently seeing. Let me say that again. Your church is probably organized to bear the fruit you are seeing. Sometimes realignment in your church will be significant. And other times it is intentional tweaks. But the thing you have to understand, if you are going to overcome plateau and decline, if you are going to to help your church revitalize, you have to understand that it is all about leading change. In the next episode, on on the next Tuesday episode, I'm going to talk about seven ministry essentials for realigning your church. I think these are seven essentials that you're going to have to turn the dials on, that you're going to have to think through if you are going to realign your church to overcome plateau and decline. Take a deep breath. Realigning your church takes time. This is not a one-month, two-month, or a three-month process. Before you can realign You have to deepen the relationship you have with the people in your church. You may say, well, I've already got all of the answers. I've got all the clarity I need. And that may be true. But if you are going to be a shepherd leader that leads the flock forward, then you have to deepen the relationship with the people in your church so they they know, understand, and come along for the journey. Now, this doesn't mean that everybody's going to love or like everything. And this doesn't mean that everybody will completely go to where you're leading. But you have to, as a leader, you have to do everything you can to invest in the relationships, to cast a compelling vision, to, to have clarity on where you're going and small next steps in how you're going to get there so that as many people as will 
will make that journey with you. Relationships matter in leading change. Leading the changes required will come from a foundation of relationship, and that will take a little bit of time. So if you're here listening to this podcast or you're at Revitalization Essentials looking for a magic bullet, I won't say never, but rarely is there ever a magic bullet. You have to start with love and time and care through intentional relationships. And if you do that well, you can begin taking small steps and realignment sooner than later, but not right off the bat. And if you invest in relationships, invest in conversations, you allow people to ask questions of you without being defensive, and and you deepen those relationships, and you do that over a period of time, and you begin taking those small steps in realignment, you may think, well, I don't have that much time. One of the things that I've learned as I have led change in churches is if I invest in the relationships and I invest in communication and I take those small steps early, that it won't take long before you look over your shoulder and you're looking back 12 months, 15 months over your shoulder and you recognize how far you have truly come. One of the things I I believe to be true is that while most people don't love change, the majority of God's people want to see the Great Commission fulfilled. Now, they don't always understand how it's going to work or what it's going to look like. And that's where our conversations, our communication, our vision casting over time happens. But when you do that, you place and you position your church in the best place to see a realignment happen so that your church can bear fruit, so that you can see new people come and visit so you can see new people give their hearts to Christ you can see new people engage in your group structure you can see the next generation begin attending and growing within your congregation again you can begin seeing these shifts and changes that are on your heart God can use you to realign your church but if you think you're going to snap your finger If you think there's a magic bullet, you will miss out on what God can do over the course of a few months, a couple of years, if you will trust Him and go through the process. I don't know all the things that God's put on your heart, but as I said in the episode where we talked about renewing the leader, The greatest joy of all of this process may be the work that God does in you. And so I invite you and I ask you to open your hearts and soften yourself before our Heavenly Father. 
that you dream and ask questions related to your community. What would happen if God began to move? What social and cultural challenges, what spiritual challenges are happening within our community? And God, how as a church do you want us to meet those um, those challenges? And how do you want us to make disciples? If you lay all of those things before the Father and submit your agenda before the throne, I believe that you place yourself in a position where you can see your church overcome plateau and decline and you can bear new fruit once again. Thanks for joining us on Leading Your Church. I can't wait to have you back and we begin another conversation about revitalization and leading change.